0: Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I'm pleased to have a very special guest, Mr. Tony Black. He comes to us from Cherokee County and the Georgia Connects program, and we're going to learn all about that. He has uh, professionally been in the pharmaceutical and medical sales for a number of years, and I'm sure that could be a whole nother topic and another talk, but today we're going to talk about solutions for the opioid and heroin epidemic, and um, joining us as well, we have Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Thank you very much for being here.
2: Susan, thank you for having me today.
1: I would like all of our listeners to have pen and paper ready. Uh, We are going to talk about um, a special program that's going to be on October 2nd, and that will be... um, in Cherokee County at uh, First Baptist Church of Woodstock. It's actually in Woodstock, Georgia, from 7 to 9 p.m. So we're going to give more details as we go through the show. Also, this is going to be posted on uh, Atlanta Healing Center's Facebook and Atlanta Healing Center's website. So please look for these details, and um, Mr. Black will tell us a whole lot more about this. So first of all, what can you tell us about Georgia Connects?
2: Well, Georgia Connects was founded uh, back in May of this year by Senator Renee Unterman. She's the chairman of Health and Human Services Committee, Uh, and also the Superior uh, Gwinnett County Judge, Judge Catherine Schrader. Uh, It is a grassroots foundation that was uh, designed to bring law enforcement, uh, legislature, and also Mm -hmm. the community, general Mm -hmm. public together to uh, discuss and try and find solutions for the opioid and uh, heroin epidemic.
1: And that has been um, very successful. I know that they've had a number of open houses and community forums. I know we had one in Gwinnett County, which is where we uh, live and work, or at least some of us in the room do. Uh, I know that there's one scheduled for Hall County, and then we've got yours that's scheduled on October 2nd. Um, Are there some details that you'd like to share with us about that program and what you're trying to accomplish? Sure.
2: Well, as you mentioned, the uh, Gwinnett... uh, event was held in May. Uh, it was very successful. It was the first event for Georgia, Georgia Connects. It uh, probably had about five to 600 people in attendance. Uh, we have another event scheduled uh, for next Tuesday, September 26th, uh, in Hollow County. Mm-hmm. It's at Bernal uh, uh, Center. Um, and that event is 630 till late. Uh, I believe you'll be a guest speaker there as well. If I I'm not will. Mistaken. Yes. Um, and so we're looking forward to uh, to a great turnout in Hall County. Then the following week on October second, uh, which is a Monday evening from seven to nine, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, at First Baptist Church in Woodstock, we'll have um, uh, a two hour event with guest speakers. You will also be a guest speaker of ours at that event, and we appreciate. Thank uh, you. you. agreeing to do, to do that. Uh, and we'll have, of course, an open uh, uh, question and answer session as well.
1: And I understand that that's going to be lives, live streaming uh, is going to be uh, for be, that. It will
2: be live streamed on Facebook at Facebook uh, Georgia, Georgia Connects.
1: So that's another way that people, if they can't make it to Woodstock, uh, they may be able to share in and learn a little bit more about not only the crisis, but I think even more importantly, some of the solutions. So this is a great, great events that are spreading around the state and hopefully to really not only educate people, but help motivate them to do some things differently.
2: Right. And just to share, uh, just to give you an idea, maybe elaborate more on the events, I think it's important that the people know who some of the guest speakers are, because we we have a very strong panel of speakers. Uh, For my event on October 2nd, uh, we have yourself, uh, we have Senator Renee Unterman, as I mentioned, Chairman of Health and Human Services Committee. We have Ellen, uh, excuse me, Judge Ellen McLeay. She is the Superior Court Judge for the Blue Ridge Judicial System uh, in Cherokee County, and uh, also deals with felony drug court. Uh, we also have Dr. Tim Simpson, who is the Emergency Department Medical Director for Northside Hospital Cherokee, which is a new hospital uh, in Cherokee County, up mm-hmm. five seventy-five. Beautiful facility. And then we have Ms. Nellie Miles, who is the director for the GBI Public Affairs. Um, I have seen some of the presentations uh, before. Uh, I think it's going to be an outstanding uh, speakers panel, and I, f- I feel like everybody will be very well educated and informed mm-hmm. as a result.
1: That, that slate of speakers... Myself, <laughs> sort of excluded, but brings together a very interesting group of public health. You know, the emergency room docs are on the front line. They often see some of the severe consequences of the opioid um, epidemic. Uh, we've got the legislators who have been working really hard, and I know Senator Unterman has had several committees and has done a lot of studying and supporting some. Legislation that's going to be really helpful. The whole um, availability of um, Narcan to allow f- citizens, anyone can have access now through their local pharmacy to these life saving medications. Um, all of that is very important. The judicial system, I have to say personally, I am impressed with how drug courts have made probably a bigger impact on getting people into treatment and recovery than addiction docs or family practice docs Mm -hmm. or even families and and interested friends. I know it's panic and people often get upset about being in that situation, but I believe it saved many lives for people to have that level of accountability and exposure to uh, recovery principles is, is very helpful. So bringing that group together as well as individuals from the community who feel passionate about it is one of the ways we're going to be able to find some solutions because staying in our own silos, whether it's the treatment community or the public health community, the legal community, law enforcement, um, we're not going to, this is bigger than all of us, and we're not going to be able to be successful unless we all come together.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I think, the, uh, I think the solutions that we're looking for is we're, we're looking for ways to get ahead of this. Um, you know as I mentioned previously I think trying to play catch up at this point is going to be rather difficult and then once we catch up what are we going to do so I think we have to find solutions to to get ahead and, and bring synergy and unified together mm-hmm. uh, whether it's you know, the legislature, it's law enforcement it's the community all working together uh, schools uh, I believe the schools can also mm-hmm. uh, become more involved in this process uh, the accountability court just to elaborate more on that um, most of these programs seem to be around maybe a two-year period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there is a lot of uh, accountability relative to uh, whether it's the drug testing, there's counseling, there are, are AA or NA meetings that are required to attend, uh, there are appearances in court. So there is very strong accountability versus someone checking into a rehab center for you know, 30, 60, 90 days and mm-hmm. then, um, then having to uh, they, they check out. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, it, it, this is not, this is a chronic illness. This is a chronic problem. And one episode of care, I wish that were all we had to do is educate someone and. Take out their appendix, and they aren't going to have appendicitis again. That's not what we're dealing with. This is, for some people, going to be a lifelong battle, that they're going to need to understand that, as does their family and and their support network, that this is going to take – community to help that person meet their goals of remaining sober and remaining in recovery and and doing good things and moving forward with their life.
3: Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not sure listening to you so far about Georgia Connects, who the the audience is. The five hundred people that were there so far, are they people in the community, teachers? The, it, it, it's open to the
2: public, so we'll, I'm sure we'll have a mix, or, and we've had a mix, of law enforcement, uh, legislature, uh, rep, legislative rep representatives, uh, general public, uh, parents who are interested in learning more about this, uh, teachers. I can tell you that as I've been um, sending out invites to this, I'm getting a lot of response from the teachers in Cherokee County who wanting to learn more, mm-hmm. uh, which is great because um, it, it allows them to also have some knowledge and speak with you know parents and, t- and students who may have uh, uh, they may have some concerns about so just we're inviting anyone who has an interest
4: uh, and would like to learn more about this and uh, just gain more knowledge one of the things that um, I have noticed is many times when we help people at, at the Atlanta Healing Center um, they they Tend to get better quicker if the family gets involved. If the family is part of the family group and and they're all working towards the same goals, sometimes families have to reevaluate how they deal with with things in life and um, look at that also. And sometimes I think that that might be what the the accountability of the courts is missing a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think there's. There's a lot to be gained from the accountability courts, but I do agree with you that in therapy, having the family included, um, when someone's going through this disease of addiction, uh, they feel very isolated. They they feel left out. And if the family is shunning them or pushing them away and saying this is your problem, uh, I do believe that it can uh, extend the amount of time it may take someone to actually gain more control of this.
1: I think another important aspect when we look at the American Society of Addiction Medicine definition of addiction, we talk about a biopsychosocial spiritual problem that um, needs a whole biopsychosocial spiritual solution. And I know our faith-based community has been very active and supportive through the Georgia Council and through – let's be clear, Georgia, I know that has been some of the, the um, groups that I've been working with, the faith-based community has been very supportive and very active in carrying the message and looking for solutions, too. So mm-hmm. it, it's nice to see all of these folks coming together um, for a common cause. How did you get interested?
2: Well, um, it's a bittersweet story. Um, unfortunately, this past Christmas Eve, Uh, of 2016, um, I lost one of my twin sons at the age of 29 uh, due to uh, years of addiction and an overdose of U4, which is a synthetic heroin, and fentanyl. Um, We had a family tradition of meeting for church on Christmas Eve and uh, then going out for dinner or making some homemade chili. And unfortunately, the phone call I received as I was walking through the doors of church was not my son saying he would be late, but rather my former wife informing me that he had been found dead. Uh, which anyone out there who's been through this process understands uh, and for those who don't, you know that's why I, that's why I chose to take the position I am uh, taking and that is to help educate and inform others, to try and help other parents and other families uh, avoid uh, you, know, you know such a such a tragedy.
1: Well, certainly. Sorry for your loss, and um, I wish this was a unique story. Um, Unfortunately, there are just far too many people, young people, Mm -hmm. people who have a long life to live that are losing their lives um, because of, of these horribly and also very helpful drugs. It's a very... It's a very difficult place to be, and I'm I'm so sorry, but I'm grateful for your willingness to come and talk about that.
2: Well, thank you, I, I, and I appreciate that, and and I know that uh, I know he's he's proud of his of his dad, you know, um, so uh, it, it it's the driving force for both me and my former wife and his twin brother. Uh, we speak openly about this, and um, we're more than happy to answer questions and help people if we can
1: we're going to take a break now when we come back we'll talk more about um, this terrible crisis and some of the solutions please stay tuned
0: the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp what should be the course of treatment who is the best person to render treatment and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
5: This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. Learn strategies to protect you and your family in the age of Obamacare. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following... or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're pleased to be joined by our special guest, Tony Black, who is here from Georgia Connects. I always get those backwards. And I promised you some information about the upcoming event, so please um, write this down. If you don't have it, please look um, to the next segment so that we can get you this information. The event is called Cherokee County Opioid and Heroin Community Awareness Forum. It's going to be Monday, October 2nd, 2017. The sponsors' tables open at 6 p.m. for anyone who has specific questions or concerns about topics like prevention, addiction, detox treatment and rehabilitation. The presentation itself um, with the list of speakers that Mr. Black's already shared with us will start at 7 p.m. and go until 9. There will be a period as I understand of questions and answers and I think this will probably be one of the most helpful parts of the whole evening because as speakers we try and bring what we think is important and we can entertain ourselves but the idea is that this really needs to be um, directed towards what people are, are needing to hear. The location is First Baptist Church in Woodstock, uh, Building A Chapel. The actual address is 11905 Highway 92 in Woodstock, Georgia. And the phone number for information is seven seven zero nine two six four four two eight. 926 4428 Let me give you that again. It's 770-926-4428 and you can also check it out on the web at www.fbcw.org. That's F as in Fred, B as in Boy, C as in Charlie, W is in W um <laughs> dot org. And I invite all of you to consider this. If you're interested, it will be also live streamed on Facebook.com backslash GA Connects. And that way, if you can't be in attendance, you can at least share some of the um, insight, the information, and the discussion. So, again, we'll repeat this information uh, at our next segment. And I hope that all of you will consider attending because this really is everybody's problem. Right before our break, (laughs) you were sharing with us um, a very poignant story that you then elaborated on a little bit. Would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your family's journey with this disease? Sure, sure.
2: Um, For our family, uh, we actually had a lengthy history of addiction. My sister um, actually passed away from opioid overdose in 2014. She passed away Thanksgiving Eve, uh, Mm -hmm. but this was an addiction that she had dealt with for about 30 years. Uh, In her early 20s, she died at the age of 49, uh, left behind uh, two beautiful children uh, ages 28 and 30, um, and their father had passed away about five years earlier, so these two young uh, individuals are pretty much raising themselves and and certainly a, a, a very important part of our family. Um, so that was the first experience. Um, you know, two years and a month later, we lost our one of our twin sons, uh, Jared Austin Black, um, also to opioid uh, addiction. Uh, Jared became addicted to OxyContin from a car accident, probably eight, nine years earlier, mm-hmm. and um, really struggled with this, you know, for for. Most of those years, um, and we can go into more about his, you know, maybe some treatment options that we pursued um, in, in, in a moment. But so we've uh, we, we've seen this firsthand. Um, what what I chose to do personally, and uh, my former wife and our twin son who uh, is still with us, we chose to take the positive route of trying to help educate. First of all, learn more about addiction. Mm-hmm. You can't educate without knowledge. So um, one of the first things that I remember seeing, uh, ironically, was one of your uh, noonday interviews. Uh, <laughs> on, uh, I just happened to catch it over lunch, and I was very impressed and learned a lot from the information you were sharing and took notes. Um, and so it's interesting how this has come full That's circle. Full circle. Uh, <laughs> one of the other uh, important things, steps I took was uh, Harvard University has a seven-week course online. It's free, Um, and I uh, looked into that and actually took that that course. It's videos, it's testimonies, it's uh, reading material, Mm -hmm. but it's very informative, and it really helped open my eyes to addiction and some of these drugs that Mm -hmm. we're seeing on the street. Uh, So from probably listening to you, reading, doing some research, completing this course online, Mm -hmm. I then began to step out and start talking thinking, okay, I've still got a lot to learn but Mm -hmm. I'll I'll make some mistakes along the way Mm -hmm. and that's okay, but just start becoming a voice. And I spoke before the Cherokee County uh, Drug Court and also the Cherokee County DUI Court. Those were my first two speaking encounters Mm -hmm. just to try and help bring some local awareness to Mm -hmm. them and and get my feet wet in in this topic as well.
1: Wow, that is, a, that is a tragic story, and yet out of that has come some hope because I, I feel from you that hope and that um, that energy that you're putting towards education and to helping others, and that's a, it's a beautiful tribute to your son and, and to the rest of your family. Thank
3: you. Well, has been so interesting with this particular aspect of the opio- opioid addiction crisis is that so many people are having overdose experiences like your son had who are early in the addiction story, there there are people who are trying it and dying really quickly, um, and, and parents that are in a situation where they're having to discover about addiction as well as the loss. Um, you, were, you were already dealing with your son's history of addiction, it sounds like, for quite a while. Right. Had, in the midst of his treatment experiences and his learning, had you already been Facing, getting some of the education, or did all of that education come after?
2: I I would probably say that for my personal story, um, I was not even aware he had an auto accident, nor was I aware he was on oxycontin until he was probably two years into the process. What the signs that we were seeing was, uh, you know, not going to work, unable to hold a job, sick, um, just. You know, a lot of excuses, and it took really drilling down uh, to to find out that uh, that there was an issue, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, an addiction issue. So, what I did was I had him move in with me. We uh, started ha- getting him some treatment with Suboxone. Uh, that went very well, but not knowing a lot about addiction and thinking that that was going to be the yeah, the care. total solution. <laughs> right. Um, uh, basically, he continued to have um, issues over the years. It seemed like he would go in and out w- with different periods. He would have p- periods where he was, looked healthy and uh, in the gym eating well, and then he would have periods where he was thin and just you, you knew something wasn't right. Um, the thing about addiction, and I spoke to a group Friday night of probably a 100 uh, addicts, and they all would confirm this, is that there is a lot of lying and deceit within yourself, um, but also to others. There is lying, there's stealing, there's cheating, um, and they rationalize it, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the addiction is a disease of the brain. So it changes the reward system. It changes how the brain's wired. But for them, they're able to rationalize why it's okay, and I think it's also a matter of they they know that there's an issue and they don't want others to to find out and take them away from their their source.
3: I actually find that that rather than focusing on the lying so much as that because of the brain disease, they have to say what they have to say in order to get the need met <laughs> because uh, yes, because they have to get the need met right. Um, and, and, you know, Suboxone can't be the end-all because it's only fixing part of that need. They've got a lot of other healing to do.
2: Yeah, I, I would say that for our experience, uh, there were a lot of mistakes that we made uh, as parents and as a family. Um, you know, we, we thought we were doing the right thing, but we didn't know enough about addiction, and we didn't understand, um, you know, that this was going to be most likely a lifelong, you know, day-to-day issue. My sister, uh, I didn't see her every day. Uh, She lives in a different state, so I didn't really. I I was aware of it, but wasn't around her on a frequent basis. But uh, for my son, it was. There there are certainly some things that we learned from this, and that I would be more than happy to share with other parents who may be going through a similar crisis. One
4: One of the things that I see with the family members that we meet at Atlanta Healing Center is that so many parents after a certain amount of time and they figure out that, oh my goodness, you know, my son or my daughter has a an addiction problem, they look back at their um, past or history and say, I can't believe I didn't see these signs. And and once they learn and they start to get education and they look back, they can see the signs perfectly. Right. But w- when you're in the midst of it, mm-hmm. you cannot see it. And it's always interesting to hear parents thinking that their child has had a relapse when it when it's the opposite or or they they think that they're in good sobriety when they're really in a total relapse it's it's interesting
1: it's very very interesting we're going to take a break when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about the signs that you might recognize and some of the actions you might take as part of the solution please stay tuned
0: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
5: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not...
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Our show today is on solutions for the opioid and heroin crisis in Georgia. And our special guest is Tony Black. He is with Connect- Georgia Connects. I'm going to do that every time. I'm so sorry. Um, Georgia Connects, um, the Cherokee County chapter. And um, he is here uh, being very open and um, very helpful. For all of our listeners um, regarding his own personal journey and the way in which he became involved with this organization, I would like to remind you that please check out www.fbcw.org and you can find all of the details about the event that's going to happen on Monday, October 2nd in uh, Woodstock, Georgia at the First Baptist Church. Again, that website is www.fbcw.org. And a phone number is 770-926-4428. 770-926-4428. Before the break, we were talking about the ways in which sometimes families... Are very innocently unaware and that they are doing the things that feel at the time and under the circumstances as the exact right thing to do, to take care of, to support, to help their children if they've stumbled or they have some legal problems or they have some health problems. It's a very difficult thing, I think, for parents and for loved ones of folks with this disease to not get into the self-blame and uh, and Mm -hmm. the the, the doubts and and the self-criticism because that's not helpful, first of all, and it's not true most of the time. The, The families are really, at least in the beginning, doing a lot of really helpful logical things but not really understanding this disease they're not often the right things to be doing and so your your role in educating the families about that i think is really important because unless you know the signs unless you know what you're looking at you too are going to make the same mistakes
4: well and i i think that in today's well, and when I say today, I'm using air quotes because the um, opioid epidemic has been going on for quite a while. But people didn't associate an opioid or heroin addiction to the young um, college-age, uh, high school-age kids that are vivacious in sports and everything. and And so you just don't think, oh, I wonder if my kid's on opiates, you know? Until it's too late,
2: right? Well, you you uh, you're in the business, so you probably <laughs> underst- understand this much better than uh, than most of us. But you know, with the average age being around age nine for first time use experimentation, um, uh, age twelve, there's a national survey that shows about fifty three percent of twelve year olds mm-hmm. who have um, experimented with these type of drugs are getting them from friends and from their their parents. Uh, medicine cabinets because they're, it's not being mm-hmm. securely locked up, um, and a lot of the high school uh, students uh, are becoming addicted through uh, things such as uh, wisdom uh, yes. teeth extraction or mm-hmm. through sports injuries and are being placed on opiates as a result of that, and parents, uh, myself included, uh, you think that the doctors safe. have all the answers and that it's safe because it's being prescribed by a physician. The unfortunate thing and the reality is that it only takes one opiate to lead to addiction. Mm -hmm. And um, so it could be a very innocent, um, uh, you know, start Mm -hmm. to the the addiction process. So I think that parents have to take a a more engaged role with knowing what their children are being prescribed, and they have to uh, certainly lock up and and maintain inventory uh, controls within the home with these pills and if the pills are no longer needed then there are proper disposal processes for this and those need to be followed immediately not tomorrow it may Mm -hmm. not be your child it may be your child's friend who's coming over Uh, these pills are work money in school yes Mm -hmm. Uh, so we we have to be realist um, Mm -hmm. and not not turn our eye
1: So, yes, you mentioned some very important points, which are safe storage and disposal. I think for all of us, whether we have kids, whether we don't, whether we're old or young – If the medicine is not needed, it needs to be destroyed in a proper way, in a safe way. Um, I know there's another um, DEA take back day coming up soon, and we'll get some more details on that. But this is a way that you can safely dispose of these medications. We really don't want you dropping them down the Toilet. toilet or in the polluting our water system. If that's all you can do, do that. Uh, Kitty litter works really well, especially if it's used, kitty litter. Um, Put the pills in there, put a little water, shake it up, and, and, and send it out the door with the garbage truck. It's really important that you do this because innocently kids think, well, mom takes this, grandma takes this. I can look it up on my smartphone. I can identify what it is. I can see the dose, the strength. This is safe. This is safe. I'm scared of the stuff out on the streets, but this is safe. And that, unfortunately, can lead to some experimentation that um, goes quite awry for a lot of folks, way too many.
3: This, uh, this one's a little bit different, though, in the sense that, you know, like with marijuana and with alcohol, these young kids tried it in school and some of them, you know, that percentage of them got hooked and it changed the direction but opiates are powerful enough to change the direction at whatever stage in life you get exposed (laughs) and so, I mean, we end up working with parents who have addiction issues because they had a car accident just like your son did who never, you would never have thought had any addictive potential until that happened Um, because pain in and of itself can create that need to medicate um, so the, the fact that you guys are, are really pulling a board together from all of these different areas to start addressing opiates in particular um, th- from the medical field and from the families and from the law enforcement, because every single person there is going to have pain at some point, and they're going to have to deal with how do I manage pain without becoming an addict.
2: Right.
3: We, we uh, helped a family where
4: the son was being treated for opiate addiction. Um, I got to know the mother pretty well. And she also was dealing with her 87-year-old mother who was in um, detox from opiates. Not, now, she wasn't using them <laughs> recreationally, but she was to the point where she had to go into detox to be taken off of them because they were so overused. Right. And. I th- I th- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well,
2: I, I think that uh, I think you bring up a key point in that it's not just the children; it's not teens and 20s. It's uh, it's really every age. This the uh, the the addiction is uh, regardless of across race, gender, age. It's across the board and. Uh, you know, as the, the older population, as the body begins to break down and mm-hmm. surgery is required, maybe it's knee surgery, hip surgery, uh, then there certainly is the, the opportunity uh, for addiction as well. So I, I agree that it's not just a youthful movement. It's, we have to be aware of all age, ages.
1: And we have to know what we're putting in our body. And if we're at the The doctors or the dentists, and thank you for mentioning the dentists because that truly is for many of our young people their first exposure. May not be their first misuse, but it's the the, it's the um, the event that turns the light bulb on in their head. And um, do they really need forty hydrocodone tablets? Do they really need sixty oxycodone tablets for this? particular procedure or having their wisdom tooth e- extracted. It's really important that people understand these are highly addictive medications, very helpful in acute pain settings. Oh, my goodness, I would really hate to go through surgery and not have these medications available. On the other hand, they're often overprescribed, they're often um, overused, and they are very frequently non-opioid Alternatives that are just as effective for managing both acute and chronic pain. So again, because we're all at risk, and we don't have a little tag on us that says, you are genetically vulnerable to the disease of addiction, we're all at risk. So regardless of our age, Um had a, um, a, a professional in that I saw in my office uh, recently that was in his late 40s, and had a pain problem, no problems through his life, never had even used alcohol in his life. And yet, now, here he is, um, really struggling. So, none of us are safe, and none right. of us really, truly know, unless we've had the genetic testing done. We don't know. Right.
2: Right. Yeah, it's, um, uh, It across the board, I've just learned so much in these last eight, nine months, and You you know, looking in hindsight, you do wonder and you do wish that maybe you you had taken more of an initiative earlier. Uh, Possibly things could be different. But I think you 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 have to forgive yourself. You can't beat (laughs) yourself up over over something like this, um, and find the positives and move forward. And the positives, as far as you know, for me personally, is uh, speaking out. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, in, in a forum such as this. Uh, and then also on our meeting on October 2nd, and hopefully we'll, you know, educate even more people who can go spread the word uh, and, and save lives and help others.
1: Very, very important. and. Like you say, we can't learn too much. This is an evolving science. Um, that's the good news, that there is a lot of effort uh, being made now to understand the brain, to understand what happens, to look at from a, a scientific um, method, to look at what are really the successful interventions and the successful treatment options And that's evolving, and we do have more options than we did a 100 years ago, and that's that's the good news. The bad news is most people don't know, and they don't know how to access it, and they don't know what to do when they've got a problem.
3: Well, we've been talking so much during the show and in between the segments that I, I don't necessarily know what aspect this was in, but you sort of talked about your venture into the speaking world about this being at Victims Impact Panels with the the different camp counties talking about your son's experience and and from from our side when when I have clients that I know are going to have to go to one of those victim impact panels um, I have one this weekend that's going to be sitting in on one, and when they come back afterwards and they've met somebody like you who's who's brought the story there and shared this is how drinking and driving has impacted or this is how addiction has impacted me, it has a huge effect. Okay. It, it, in terms of their motivation to keep working their program and keep doing their changes, it has a huge effect to help them stay yeah, focused.
2: A lot of the people uh, that I spoke to Friday evening, uh, approached me afterwards, and most of their comments were thanking me for sharing my personal story. Um, but I think the point that got across more was how it impacts family, mm-hmm. because the the, the the message I was trying to share with them is: you get so wrapped up in your addiction, and it's about me, myself, and I. You forget and overlook your family, your parents, your siblings, your children, your spouse. Um, those who really love you and care about you and we're going through this with you exactly. wondering are you okay tonight you know you're you we're due home at 12 haven't heard from you haven't seen you um, you know we, we struggle with this process as well it's not just the addict
1: um, exactly I, we need okay, to take sorry. a break now when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the solutions so please stay tuned
5: or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
1: This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons.
5: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off
0: with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
5: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. I would like to remind you to please check out the website, www.fbcw.org, www.fbcw.org for information about the event on October second, two 2017, and you can also... um, Be involved with this through the live streaming on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Connects. and you'll be able to share in this event if you're not able to attend in in person. Before our break, we were talking about the impact um, this disease has on families, and I think that... um, as you were saying, people often when they're in the throes of the disease, um, their single-mindedness of purpose is in many ways admirable because they have one goal and they do whatever it takes. They say whatever it takes. It often takes them to places that they could not imagine that are so foreign from who they are when they're not active in addiction. Um, they don't recognize the the um, the pain that it causes, and they don't recognize the legacy that um, a death like this leaves for the family, for the community, for for everyone. All of our lives are affected in one way or another. Just us hearing your story, it affects us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know your son, but it still it it, it has impact and. It, that is an important thing for, for folks to understand and, and to be able to communicate and to talk about. And that's where groups like Alanon or Alateen are very helpful to family members so that they can get the support and help. That their loved one who may be active in the disease cannot give them. Um, though they definitely need it and deserve it, but to have some recovery principles for themselves and for um, um, for moving forward in healing their own life. It's, it's very important that people understand about that. What would you... What's your solution? Let me just put you really on the, on spot, the spot in our last few minutes together.
2: Well, I think the... Uh I think the first step is that uh, parents have to understand that uh, addiction is a disease of the brain and that the addict is not thinking rational Mm -hmm. like a parent may be thinking. For us, it's it's obvious to say, how could you do that? How could you Mm -hmm. think that way? Um, and for them, that's a rational way of thinking. So you have to accept the fact, like mm-hmm. it or not, you have to accept the fact it's a, it's a d- disease of the brain. Um, you have to educate yourself as a, as a parent. And you also have to be uh, humble enough to realize that you may not be the right solution. They may need more mm-hmm. uh, professional uh, counseling and, and assistance than, than you can provide. You know, my former wife and I used to... Uh, Uh, We would talk about this, and uh, some of our most relaxed evenings of rest were the nights when we knew that he had been arrested. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a sad way to go through life, both as someone with a addiction or or a parent. Um, You know, our son was a very compassionate young man, uh, great with his friends. You know, loyal, loyal beyond belief to family and friends um, very well liked sense of humor, loved animals, loved, uh, he was a vet tech for about four years, loved small children. He was just a great kid, very artistic. So this was a wonderful, wonderful, you know, young man. Uh, and it's a great loss to the family, but you, you have to understand that in times like this, they need help. Um, and you do whatever it takes, you know, uh, to get them into treatment. Uh, uh, so they can continue to live, you know, mm-hmm. a healthy life, with the understanding that it's going to be a uh, addiction is going to be there every single day, mm-hmm. possibly for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm.
1: And that is um, that is very important to put into perspective. Um, and and sometimes that's uh, that's hard because families are they're they're hurt, they've they've been um, lied to, they've had things taken from them, they have spent sleepless nights, they've gone to court, they've sat by the bedside of somebody who's had an overdose. They they are so... Uh, it's so painful that mm-hmm. they, they can hardly... Handle their own emotion, but understanding that this is a a brain disease, that this is um, like someone having a seizure, which is a brain disease, and the way we know brain diseases is because we see a change in behavior. That's how we know it's a brain disease. You can't just sit there and say to someone, Stop that. Stop having a seizure. What's wrong with you? Get up. Stop doing that. You, you can't. You have to seek professional help, and that, that goes for this very serious brain disease. Uh, we all hope that it's a, um, a phase that the person's going through or that during this time of stress they'll get over that. But you have to be, you have to educate yourself to the signs and symptoms of when someone's using, when this is more than a bad day, when this is um, this is a pattern of behavior that is not getting better, and I can guarantee without intervention it will get worse.
2: Right. Yeah.
4: Well, one of the things that, that we try to emphasize with parents is that just because their child may be doesn't get the recovery that they're hoping for. That doesn't mean that the parent shouldn't continue on with the recovery. That you know, many times, um, a parent that's learning about addiction and going to meetings and making some changes in in some of their behaviors and, and choices that they have um, can really impact that child's addiction for the right. worse.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that. I think once we, um, once we recognize that this was uh, an issue of addiction, you you do begin to put more thought into how what type of conversations you will have. Um, you know, you begin to recognize things more more clearly, and I think that's very helpful to you know to a parent and to any loved one because um, you know the. Screaming and shouting and uh, name calling, whatever it may may become, the threats—it's it's just counterproductive. Right. Um, you you're, you're essentially sending someone who is already dealing with maybe a drug abuse or even an alcohol abuse, uh, looking for the next fix. It, mm-hmm. I think it I think it stirs the emotion that sends them back to the drug instead of away from uh, you know to, or towards you know treatment therapy getting well mm-hmm. so i think that uh, that parents have to take a, a, a stronger role in that um and, and recognize your weaknesses if you don't understand it mm-hmm. if you aren't doing the research do your homework um i might even throw in a little personal suggestion leave social media and do your homework <laughs>
1: research <laughs> that's a good one Research, yes, because they're great resources. Absolutely. Yep. Great w- resources out there, and it's really important. I think it's also important to understand from the person with the disease of addiction's point of view this bottle, this bottle, whether it's pills, whether it's alcohol. heroin, whether it's alcohol, this bottle is my solution. Y'all are my problems. You know, the the police are after me. My boss doesn't like me. My teacher's going to fail me. My spouse is mad. This is how I cope. You're trying to take away my one coping mechanism. This is my solution. Now, to everyone looking, the delusional disorder that is the disease of addiction, they say, no, you wouldn't have trouble with the police or your boss or your teacher or your spouse if you weren't drinking or using um, but their, their true and honest viewpoint is this is how I'm going to survive all of you out right. there. And Well, it's
4: a need. It's a terrible, it's a basic need. need. It's not, it's, um, that's what we have to understand. that um, For an addict or uh, alcoholic, at that moment, that is what they need. It's not anything about want. Right. Mm-hmm. Because half the time, they, they don't, don't even want, want it. Mm-hmm. They
3: need it.
1: And they're not getting high anymore. It's the problem
3: is that recovery has to be about want. So it's got to make that flip-flop for, for the patients and for their family members. Um, and everything has been such an emphasis on getting the patients to wake up and find the want. And I, th- I think if, if what you all are doing is helping everyone else start finding their own wants, there can be some real hope there.
1: Absolutely. So I would like to thank um, Tony Black for being with us today. Thank all of you for listening. And please check out um, the um, uh, event on October 2nd. See you next week on Detailing Addiction. Perhaps you are struggling
5: to cope with the disease of addiction. If not,